It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. And good afternoon. I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle an hour every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right and try to bring some context to the news of the week or maybe a subject that hasn't found its way into the middle of the conversation enough. A gorgeous day today. We're here till 3 o'clock. Then Curtis Lewa comes in at 3 o'clock when we do left versus right. He has some things he wants to ask me about. Now, these restaurant shacks have now become love shacks. I have to go read the notes to see what he's talking about. We've got Kevin on the other side of the glass helping us out. It's kind of like when the coach comes into the game as a player coach. He's doing that today. Usually he's on air traffic control. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, always available on the WABCradio.com app. Um, at Rep Wieners, how you reach me on Twitter, WienerWABC at gmail.com. It is just a gorgeous day outside. We had some very, very hot weather, and now it's just beautiful outside. I hope you're getting an opportunity to enjoy this beautiful weather. This has been uh, an exciting week for the country, newsworthy. I mean, I got to tell you, usually August is a slow month. Usually Friday is a slow day, and boy, oh boy, it has not been the case the last week or so. Um, Episode six of Keys to the City, my podcast uh, uh, dropped this week. It is one that we focus on sin taxes, particularly cigarette taxes. If you smoke cigarettes or if you don't, if you're a taxpayer, you might want to listen to that one. It's a it's a a deep dive and examination to what happens when you raise a tax so much that it doesn't create more revenue, but it creates more scofflaws. Um, And. I took Jordan to a Met game this week. You know, he's back from camp, went with his friend Eric and um, had a good time. Jordan got his haircut. He is now old enough that when he sits down for a haircut, he says exactly what it is that he wants. And he's a good looking kid. Whatever, whatever vestige he had of looking like me, he looks like his mom now. So he's sporting, I guess we call it an unusual haircut. He's got it cut short on the side and the back. And then he likes to kind of take the front part and kind of, put it over the top in some way. Uh, And um, so that's what he's sporting nowadays. He actually got some interesting economic-related news uh, Jordan did. You know, he is playing in his travel hockey team in the fall. And so you get get some gear for that. You got to order a jersey. You have to order equipment that matches your team colors. And one of the things that he's getting is a, a big hockey bag with his name and the logo of the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn, the uh, New York Cyclones on the side of the bag. Well, he got a notification from the company that because of supply chain issues, those are not going to be delivered, maybe not until the wintertime. And guys that had to order helmets, Jordan didn't. They just canceled the order outright. And just for just to, because I was interested, I went online to see what a kid's hockey helmet is going for. And it is up by about 30%. So there are some elements of this supply chain problem that are impacting all of our lives, and even, uh, even if you're kids. Um, if you are a Jet fan... Well, first of all, I'm sorry to hear that uh, because we know what it's like. Zach Wilson went down last night with a, with a knee. I've not heard any updates, but it cannot be good. Knees are not good things to have. And um, this was an interesting week. Just today or just in the last 24 hours, the House of Representatives passed the big inflation-busting deficit reduction, you know, this big bill that they passed. I know we talked about it last week. We don't need to go into it much into the substance. But I will say this. You know, in terms of just, you know, effectiveness of the Congress, effectiveness of the presidency, whatever your politics are, you know, we're going to do a deep – we're going to have a conversation from the middle this this week like I try to do every week. Whatever your politics are, this is a bill that defeated big pharma and big oil, and the NRA was defeated earlier this year with – earlier, uh, I guess it was – yeah, just last month. The three biggest, most intractable forces – in Washington, all had setbacks. And so I got to give credit to Chuck Schumer. I got to give credit to the president. But we will see. You know, a lot of people don't are concerned about the bill. They don't like it. I try to make an argument last week that a lot of things in it are things that both the left and the right 
should have reason to to um, to feel good about. But now it's the law, and we'll see if those things are affected. So let's do a little bit of the numbers of the week. Um, this is how I like to start each week, where we talk a little about some interesting number in the week, and then hopefully we bring it to to an issue that we want to talk about. Uh, first one is six. That's the number of Bill Russell. Bill Russell, who died two weeks ago, his number is going to be retired throughout all of the NBA. There's only two other professional athletes that have that designation, and I, uh, I, you know, one of them is you probably know is number forty-two. Uh, Jackie Robinson. No one in Major League Baseball can wear 42 since Mariano Rivera pitched his last pitch with it. And the other, 99. Wayne Gretzky is 99. What's interesting about number six for Bill Russell is LeBron James wears it today. And I'm interested to see, it'd be a nice Hamish thing, as we would say in Yiddish, a nice gesture for him to make to say, you know what, I am going to put down this jersey in honor of the great Bill Russell. Um I do wonder what they do about other whether the other famous number six is the only one that comes to mind is Dr. J. Uh, I don't know. Is he retired by the Nets? I wonder if he is. If he's not, he should be. So number six is our first number of the week. Three point three. Three point three is the percentage rise of the standard and poor for the week. Now, this is four weeks in a row that is up. And so it's having a nice little month or so. It's still got some ways to go, but it does seem that the combination of the job numbers and inflation being kept in check. I'm not going to I don't want to get into this argument that people are having about whether inflation was zero last month. That's what President Biden has said because it didn't go up anymore in the last month. And other people's point out, wait a minute, it's still like 8% over the year. How can you say it's zero? I'm going to stay away from that. I actually made a conscious decision not to put that in the numbers of the week because I thought I would get dragged into this semantic uh, pool of uh, of weeds, and so that's not in there. But the fact that the standard of pours up, that's good news for people who have their monies invested in the market or whether you're in a uh, mutual fund or whether you're in a retirement account. That's that's good news. 86, that's another number. Uh, uh, that's a good number in the restaurant business. When you're canceling an order, you say 86, that order. But in this case, it is, it's an interesting number. It's the percentage of children under five in New York State who have been fully vaccinated for polio. Now, the polio vaccine is a 99% effectiveness. Again, I had a little bit of hesitation about including this in the numbers of the week because of my concern about having a whole vaccine argument. But it's 99% effective, 86% of children under five. I thought it would be higher than that because you can't go to school without it. And then I realized that with COVID, a lot of people didn't go to school and didn't get their 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 documents checked the way they might have. And so there might be some children, hopefully they're um, – they are getting uh, they're getting vaccinated because polio was found in the wastewater that's been reported here on WABC and elsewhere. So um, that's an interesting number. So now let me get into some numbers of the week, which hopefully will bring us into the topic that I want to discuss this week. The first number was uh, talked at length by uh, Steve Moore talked about it in the last hour, um, made some important mistake in the conversation about it. And when I see him next, I'll, I'll tell him up at 87,000. That is the number, not of agents. That is the number of employees that are proposed to be hired by the IRS between now and 2031. And but most of those agents, the over, most of those people will not be agents. And a lot of them won't be new positions. Their position, there's a 13 percent headcount um, reduction that there's been there over the past seven years because of attrition, because there hasn't been enough money invested there. Most of them are not going to be agents. And according to the Treasury Department and according to the law, as it was written, the actual law says this, that the audits that are going to be conducted, the increased audits to the extent that there are any, are not going to be on businesses or individuals with less than $400,000 of income. But there are – here's some of the things that they say they're going to do with that money. They say they're going to come up with a system. And if you've ever dealt with the IRS, and I did a lot when I was a member of Congress, you know that they don't have a way for you to – any kind of an automated system for you to call up, leave your number and say, call me back. I want to talk to you about my taxes or I want to talk to you about things. So they're going to – they're investing a lot of money in coming up with a system like that. Um, And – Frankly, they're law enforcement agents. They're people. This is the law of the land, all these tax laws. And you might not like some of them, but you like the idea that people should pay their taxes like you and I do. And so that's what the IRS does. These are people who are in law enforcement. 
Another number is 54. 54 is the percent of the of people who were released from incarceration because their cases had been overturned. And that is the number of defendants in those cases. And these are cases that have already had their cases overturned because they were found not to have done it. They've been exonerated. 54% of those cases were because of official misconduct. And police were involved in 34% of those cases. Prosecutors were involved in 30% of those cases. And in some cases, they were both police and prosecutors. So 54%. And this is a study of 2,400 exonerations between 1989 and 2019. Nearly 80%. Again, just so we understand, we're all talking about the same thing. These are people that were exonerated, that a a new person emerged that actually did it, a piece of evidence that was found to have been tainted, misconduct that there was, as I mentioned. So um, of those people, 2,400, that's how many there had been, 80% of them were violent felonies. And of the 2,400, 93% of these innocent people um, were sentenced to death and later cleared before they were executed. Okay? And these are instances, as I said, the number of the day is 54% of those defendants were victimized by official misconduct. Now, I've got a little bit more on, on, on that. They, 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 of those, those prosecutors, 30%, um, I said, uh, of those prosecutors, only 4% of those that were involved in convictions were disciplined in any way. And only 19% of police officers who were involved in misconduct were, um, were uh, in any way disciplined. And that, in, and that includes some big ones. Like, for example, there was a police sergeant in Chicago who led a group of officers who planted drug um, who planted drug or gun evidence on 65, 66 false convictions. Those, those officers were prosecuted. But the point is that not a lot of them are. So why do I mention this? It is to bring us to the big news of the week. And as I've explained on the air here, that part of what I want to do is not just bring the normal left versus right kind of perspective to this show, but to show that we have a lot in common. And in this case, the skepticism that I have heard from supporters of the past president, whose name I don't like to mention on the show because it just gets everyone kind of rattled, is that there's legitimate reasons to be skeptical, that we should be skeptical. That's something we all have in common, but that skepticism shouldn't just be, okay, I'm skeptical of IRS agents and I'm skeptical of FBI agents that investigate the president that I support, but I'm completely not skeptical of, of, of police officers or I'm not skeptical of prosecutors, or I'm not skeptical of judges. You know, the skepticism that we have is part of what we are as Americans. We give the state enormous amount of power. And part of the rules that we have set up is let's figure out ways to make sure that the government doesn't abuse those. That's where the civil rights, that's where civil rights come from. That's where President Trump's right to plead the fifth came comes from. That's where people's right to a jury by trial, that's where people's right to presumption of innocence comes from. That's where people's right to be free on bail pending their trial because they haven't been found guilty of anything. That's where people have a right to see a search warrant, to know what it's for. Um, that's why they have a right to have lawyers present. And I guess what I'm saying is that the, what we saw this week is you know, a certain coming together of the left and the right. Because there is a good deal of skepticism that exists, and I think justifiably so, of members of law enforcement and the people who who have power to make judgment calls that can take away our freedom. And, And that's what this week was really all about, wasn't it? It was the president and his supporters saying that this is an abuse by these officers of the FBI and the officers of the DOJ. And that's exactly what people who are who feel that they have been victims of prosecutor misconduct for a bank robbery or police misconduct on a police stop. This is a similarity we have, but we have processes in place and hopefully sufficient both transparency and, 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 and balance of transparency. And the last part I'm mentioning, balance of transparency, is you know what? People have said over and over again in defense of President Trump – Tell the DOJ to go out and explain what you're doing. Show us what evidence you have. No. 
That's not the way this works. DOJ should keep their mouth shut and do their talking in court because they are so powerful that they can influence the entire thing by just repeating their accusations over and over and over again. And you know who taught us that lesson? Jim Comey. He goes out and starts having conversations about charges he didn't bring and the chaos that ensued to this day leads people not to have confidence in the FBI. Now, I am pro-law enforcement. That may come ironic for someone who's been through the criminal justice system the way I have. I believe in giving them, an IRS agent, a parks department, a police officer, a, a buildings inspector, a police officer, a police supervisor, a judge, a prosecutor. I believe in giving them the benefit of the doubt. I believe that people do – they believe what they're doing is, in, is, is right and correct most of the time. And I believe that they should get that presumption. And I got to tell you, I haven't always benefited from that because, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do something today that I haven't really done before. After the break, which I think we're coming up on, after the break, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into my experiences with the FBI my experiences with search warrants, and my experience with the FBI going and speaking publicly in a way that turned out to be so wrong but has influenced the public debate to this very day. I'm really glad you're with me on the middle. If you want to get in on the, on the calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. My name is Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle. I'm so grateful that you're with me. I'll see you on the other side. Babe, I stood the singing, I was holding your arm, you were holding my trust like a child. Found a lot of trouble out Talk Radio 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. And welcome back to Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That's Warren Zevon bringing us back in. So pleased that you're with us. We're talking about respect for the law, respect for those that try to carry it out, the commonality that we share in our justifiable skepticism of the state when it comes to crime and law enforcement. Uh, If you'd like to be in on the conversation, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I am trying to steer clear of the specifics around the raid on Mar-a-Lago and what's going on because a couple of reasons. One, I think there's more information that we're going to learn. But two, I just don't want to have the same conversation that everyone else is happening back and forth. But I do think there's commonality here, and that's what we look for on the middle. But I do have one area, as for those of you who know my story, um, I do have one area of, of, well, two really, of understanding from having been through this process of having – an FBI search warrant. And I can tell you at the at the outset, I have found not only in my times in Congress where they I would deal with the suits, I would deal with the executives, I would deal with the, the brass of the FBI, but also in the dealings that I've had with the men and women who are out there protecting us and and protecting the law. Every interaction that I had with the FBI during my proceedings, and I was prosecuted under federal law, during my proceedings, were professional and kind to the point that they spent a lot of time, frankly, with me kind of apologizing that because the the, the crime that I was punished for, no one had ever been prosecuted for in the Southern District, and these are FBI agents in in one of the most – in the busiest areas around. But but what what wound up happening with me in the search warrant is that a search warrant was issued, but my lawyer, Arthur Idala, who you've heard me mention here before, reached out to them and said, what is it that you guys want – Anthony has a how old was Jordan? A six-year-old at home, and they had in the search warrant certain specific things. They wanted to see my iPad, my laptop, and my phone, and we basically gave it to they gave it to them. We they didn't have to show up at all. We just basically handed them all over. They also took the router from uh, from the apartment. But the long story short, there are as I learned from talking to to, to Arthur this week, there are. 
there, a lot of judgment goes into how the FBI and the prosecutors decide to pursue these things. Now, my things weren't going anywhere. I had reached out to them, actually, before they reached out to me to say, listen, if you're investigating any of this, I have nothing to hide, anything that you need. And so we turned all of those things things over. Now, um, would it have been different if if there was a different type of a case? Of course it might have been. But the point is there's not one way that they do different things. And bringing it back to the news of the week that we all learned a little bit this week about the different ways that these things are done. So I turned over those uh, all of those things. The 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 uh, the FBI I think might have originally been thinking about coming in and doing a a search, but you know Arthur had a relationship with them, and it was very clear that I wasn't making any effort to to run or to hide. And and by the way, if you're wondering, well, I could have erased this or erased that. No, it doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really work that way. We're going to find out with the investigation of January sixth. It kind of doesn't work that way. Stuff still stays out there. So that's just. My experience and the men and women that I deal with with the FBI throughout the process, and they were these were difficult circumstances. They were the ones that take me into that escort me into custody when I was going to make my plea, and I pled guilty, by the way, and I and I admitted to what I had done, and et cetera, et cetera. So that's one half of it. But then it comes to this other question. I have a real experience with what happens when the FBI goes out and talks about stuff why they did stuff, what they found, et cetera, in an environment anywhere besides a court and how that can be problematic. And I refer you to the case of Jim Comey. Jim Comey was the head of the FBI. Jim Comey was desperate after he messed up um, to clear his name. And so he went and testified before Congress in May of 2017. And part of his way of trying to clear his name was was talking about the outrageous things that me – and Huma had done. And so he testifies in May of 2017 that Huma had this regular practice of forwarding hundreds, I'm quoting now, hundreds of thousands of emails that were supposed to be, that were that related to her official business, were forwarded to me. And um, hundreds of that led, and the next day, all kinds of stories, like the New York Post, you know, Huma sent unclassified emails to Wiener, the Daily News, Huma era sent classified emails to to Wiener. And there's only one problem. That wasn't the case. And almost immediately after he testified, within the FBI, they had to try to figure out what they can do to clean up the mess because they had testified before Congress that was not the case. And so what did they decide to do? What they decided to do, by the way, you can check all of this. Um, You can check all of this yourself. I'm not just saying this to... They decided to not send, not make a public correction. They sent what they called supplementary testimony to Dianne Feinstein, who was the ranking member on the committee where Comey testified, and basically corrected it from hundreds of thousands of emails regularly sent to a small number that were manually forwarded and that a number that were backup, uh, that were on backup devices. And the net-net, the whole takeaway from all of that is not hundreds of thousands, but there were 12 emails that they decided were classified that were not marked, but they classified it after the fact. And of those 12, I think that 11 of them were schedules that the secretary had that the public was supposed to be aware of at the time. So that's a classified thing because they don't want people knowing where officials are. And now that part never got reported because it was a letter that was sent to the committee. So what's my point here? First of all, not that I have a resentment. I mean, although it might, it might sound that way because I got what was coming to me. All the times that the, that the FBI – and if you want to get in on this conversation, 800-848-WABC, whether about any of this, uh, 800-848-9222. The reason I mention all of this is that all of the folks who are now saying – well, the FBI or the Justice Department should stand up and explain what they're doing. I disagree wholeheartedly. I think that very often they have interests. They have political interests in spinning what they're doing. They have political interests in making themselves, in, 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 in adorning themselves in glamour for what they're doing and deflecting mistakes that they might have made. Let the justice system work. Let them show in court what they have. Let them show – I mean that's why all this conversation, show us the warrant, show us the warrant, show us the warrant. No, that's up to the to President Trump to do, and he, and he did. He decided, okay, I'm going to do that. 
And so I have some experience with this rush. And by the way, all of this remind, should remind us there was a whole report done about the mistakes made by the FBI in the handling of my case. And let me just say one final thing. To all of the wing nuts and crazies on the Internet who keep saying, where's my laptop? They gave me back the laptop. Okay? I have it. But they gave it to me back without a hard drive in it. Okay? So if you want my laptop, you can call in 800-848-WABC and give, and give, give, I don't know, who's, who's on the phone? I guess Kevin's on the phone. Whoever it is, just, if you want to see my laptop, it doesn't have anything in it. There's no guts anymore. Um, and that laptop at all was said and done, didn't have anything on it. Now, did it have evidence of my crime? Well, that's a conversation I want to save for another time because the answer is kind of no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I stipulate I did the things that I did and I accept responsibility for them. I served time for them. I believe in the criminal justice system. I'm not going to stand here and say I believe that people do their time. I believe they pay their debt society and that they move on. But I can tell you this, for everyone who is saying the FBI is either all right or all wrong, that judges are either all right or all wrong, that cops are either all right or all wrong, forget the idea that so much of criminal justice comes down to human beings using their judgment, using their judgment. And that's the way, and the the outcome is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And I just want to say that I believe that I'm, I'm pro-criminal justice. I'm, I be, I'm pro-cop. I always have been in Congress. I believe I've shown that to be when I'm on the air with you guys. But that doesn't mean that they don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean they shouldn't be held accountable. It doesn't mean individuals don't have rights. But that's true of all of us, not just the president of the United States. And let me just say something. Something came up, a prayer came up that I, that I like to say, and I do it a lot when I'm coming into the station. And I, it's a way that I – when people say, well, how do you feel about – how you got caught up in so much of this. This is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And I'm going to read you a section of a prayer that I say from time to time. And I don't, I'm not going to proselytize here, but it's apropos of this. And this is, um, and it goes like this. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it's because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life, unacceptable to me. I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, or thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not on what needs to be changed in the world and what needs to be changed in me and my attitude. And that's the way I feel about my interactions. What I did put me in that position. Those FBI agents that dealt with me, that prosecutor that had to decide, and that judge who said to me, who said to me, Mr. Weiner, I need to sentence you this way because of the high-profile nature um, of that people are looking at this. That and when FBI agents say to me. I, you know, we're doing this because you are who you are. I know that that's not something they're doing wrong. That's exactly the way it's supposed to be today. Everyone is doing what they think is right. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's corruption. It doesn't necessarily mean that someone's out to get someone else. When a, when, when a, a FBI agent, you know, when a police officer stops a car, when an when a IRS agent comes across something, when a, a buildings inspector does, when a sheriff puts a boot on your car. You know, I believe that there's a, that you've got to start from the presumption that people are doing things that they believe are right. And then when people make their oath, they do mean it. They do mean it. But does that mean that their judgment is always going to be impeccable? Does that mean that there aren't going to be abuses? No. That's why we have, this, we have civil rights. That's why we have a, you know, a press that goes after it. That's why we have these things. But for me, at, when people say, how did you deal with your dealings with the FBI, with the prosecution, with, the, with being in prison? Acceptance. Acceptance. Everything is the way it's supposed to be. 
Now, I know what we do here is we talk about the way things we can come together around things. When we come back, we'll take some calls. 800-848-WABC. I'm feeling a lot of gratitude now being on, the, on, on with you on the middle, on the most powerful radio station on the East Coast, 77 WABC. And we'll see you on the other side. Show at the clock. Excitable boy, they all fit. And it fit the assurance, big in the dark. Excitable boy, they all fit. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's The Mill with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Mill with Anthony Weiner. middle on talk radio 77 wbc warren zivon lawyers guns and money i see what you guys did there very clever very clever we're talking a little bit i don't know i just got a text from a couple of people saying i'm getting a little bit too spiritual on on talk radio but it's a sunday it's a saturday afternoon it's beautiful outside there's so much heat generated around these issues you know it, it really is true that if you were to just read twitter or just watch cable news you would think that we do nothing but fight with one another when in, when in fact it comes from the same place. Just a, a, And it comes from the place that our very country was founded upon is this skepticism about centralized power. When you give someone the power to take away your freedom, I really believe that, that it's right for citizens to be skeptical. Now, I think there's a little bit of hypocrisy if you're skeptical only around someone taking away someone else's freedom and not your own. Um, and so I say that that I I I want I give the benefit of the doubt even at times where maybe maybe I you know look again about my case I have no compunction about saying this I I I accept responsibility and I'm here to make amends for it and still there are people that sometimes aren't there for me, that don't want to hear about it and I always say to them if you really believe in the criminal justice system you've got to believe in the the idea of doing your time. And once you do your time, well, that's it. My, my debt to society uh, is done. At Rupp Wiener is, is Twitter, WienerABC at gmail.com, 800-84-WABC. Let's go to a few calls. The board obviously is filled up on this day because of this issue, and I get it. Um, first, let's start with Dino in New Jersey. Dino, thank you so much for joining us on The Middle. Hey, uh, Anthony, how you doing? You, I'm the guy who doesn't, doesn't like – I'm liking you, uh, hating you less. <laughs> I might even start liking you now. I appreciate it, Dino. <laughs> thank you, how buddy. You doing, All right. All right, how you doing? All right, thank Listen, God. I'm gonna be a little, I'm gonna be a little facetious now. I'm sorry, I have to. You saw my thunder. Listen, do you think now the FBI, FBI is gonna raid you again? But this time, like on the air, so they can show <laughs> that they, <laughs> so they can show that they're on both sides of the aisle. <laughs> well, let me say this, and Dino, I, I appreciate your calling. Call back. You're always a fun caller. I mean, look, I will say this. It's the other way that people think. You know, people say, well, if you're if he's not safe, then who is? Well, that's kind of what the message should be, right? That Anthony Weiner gets right? people say to me all the time, correctly or incorrectly, I'm not gonna go into all the time. Well, you got arrested for something that people whatever don't get prosecuted for. Yes, but I I know that as a public person who makes the laws, that I often get the benefit of the doubt on things, but frankly, when you come before the bar of justice, I would expect that someone who is an elected official who made the laws should be held to a higher standard. And to be honest with you, I believe that goes for the president as well. The correct thing to be saying is, yes, Your Honor, you should expect more of me because I should know better. Uh, Steve in Long Island. Steve, you're on the middle. Thank you for joining us. Hey, how's it going? It's going well, Steve. Okay, real quick. In reference to the FBI's credibility, you know, one tends to get very suspicious when 
the FBI pulls a raid on that, and they say that it's vital that we go in right away because of uh, nuclear documents. Okay, the warrant was uh, granted on a Friday, and they didn't go in until Monday. Secondly, they didn't allow the two female lawyers to observe them, which is highly unusual. And then they said that they wanted all the cameras turned off. So you have to wonder, and especially when uh, members of the archive, and I believe the FBI were at Mar-a-Lago, and Trump was president on June 3rd. And all of a sudden, you know, they saw the boxes of documents. They didn't necessarily look through them. But, you know, why didn't they say, listen, you know, um, you know, subpoena the documents, or why didn't they use a less intrusive way? Well, Steve, I I appreciate it. I mean, I would caution you, Steve, and thank you so much. Call us again. I would caution you, don't state stuff as facts that we, a lot of that we, a lot of stuff we don't know. We're hearing, it's getting reported, but there's a a process. But one thing I will say is this. If there is a document that is important to national security, sometimes they'll just rush in to get it. It has nothing to do about a criminal prosecution. They might just say we are worried about this document. They could just find out about it and go in there and get it. But we're going to have a chance to find out about about some of this stuff. You know, we're all speculating, you know, was the lawyer there? Was she not? She signed for the she signed the receipt for the stuff. So someone was there. But let's not get too deep. But in terms of the skepticism of the FBI, fine. I agree with it. I really do. I mean, I kind of if you want to point back to who is patient zero for FBI skepticism, look at John Comey, uh, Jim Comey. Yeah, the guy was he was a showboat that basically screwed up his job and and was and was sanctioned uh, or was critiqued very harshly by his own people about the way that he handled it. So I think the skepticism is perfectly legitimate. I would just caution us all. Let's not say stuff as facts when we don't know stuff. This is a widely getting reported and and there is a process. It's called a trial. I mean, we're going to find out. We are going to find out. Um, uh, Billy in Queens, thank you for calling in the middle today. Anthony, I don't know you personally, and I know very little about the Internet, but I'd be willing to bet you would have never done in real life what you did on the Internet, like or said the things you said. If you would have met that girl in, real, in, in, in person, I think you, you would have stepped back. Like reality would have been right in your face. And on the Internet, there is no reality. It's like a fantasy world. And how many people get in trouble for what they say and do with the Internet that they wouldn't do in real life? Yeah, well, I appreciate it, Billy. And, you know, I, I always, and thank you for calling, call back again. Hey, look, here's the, here's the place I am, both mentally, spiritually, all of it. I don't want to say anything that leads anyone within the sound of my voice to believe that I don't accept responsibility for the things that I did. Now, you can talk about the, the other people in this equation, a prosecutor, the Southern District, who decided to prosecute this case. Uh, they've never done it. They've never prosecuted a case like this in the Southern District before. They're a big deal place. Whatever, the people that were on the other side that had money involved in what they were doing. But my my side of the street, as we say in program, is, was not clean. I was acting in an addictive way. I was not of right. I was violating my values. I was violating the person I want my son to be. And so that's all true. So I don't believe in this idea of going back and saying, well, could have would have should have to too great an extent. All I'm trying to use my case is to show that my experience was also a case that people use judgment. And I accept the idea that what they thought they were doing was right. And that should be the divining principle that maybe they can, we can both kind of come around both sides of this Trump issue can come around on that, that overwhelming law enforcement people I believe are doing what they think is right. Next is Jack on Long Island. Jack, thank you for calling the middle today. Hey, I have a, a quick question. It bothers you. You're a congressman. You know about slander and uh, and uh, what do you, what do you call it? Libel. Liability. When you libel, thank. When you speak, Alex Jones got sued for saying anything he wanted. Was that the same 50 years ago as it is today? Yeah, I got to tell you, Jack. I am not. Thank you so much for calling. It's because it's a great subject. It is. It, 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 I, it. The short answer is I'm not a lawyer and I don't know the standards. For uh, for libel and, and and for slander, but you cannot say anything that you want. That's not the way this works. You cannot say like it. You know the. I guess the best way to look at it is the old metaphor: the rights of my fist end at your nose. I can wave my arms around as much as I want and shadow box all I want. I can't touch you with it. And so when someone says something they know is untrue, and Jones knew this was untrue, and harm someone, harm their ability to earn money, cause them pain and suffering, like the laws generally protect you against someone. 
saying that kind of thing. Now, me as a public figure, Donald Trump as a public figure is very different from you as an individual person. People can say the most outrageous stuff about me and I have very little defense because there's this public figure exemption. But I am not a great person to ask about constitutional laws that relates to the First Amendment. I can tell you this. Like every other amendment, it's not unfettered. You 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 can't you can't do you can't do harm with um, you can't do harm intentionally to someone else with your words. Um, next is George and Tom's River. Hey George, how are you today? Oh, it's an honor to talk to you, Mr. Weiner. Um, I just want to say that I really am very proud of what you're doing on the radio. You're you're very diplomatic. You're very fair, very articulate, well spoken. And, you know, Jesus did say, he who be without sin cast stones. I'm not casting any stones at anybody. And I, I was very upset about a couple, I guess a couple months ago when somebody called you and they were very nasty to you on the phone. And and you were very, you know, very calm about it and, and whatnot. And I, uh, you're just, this is great. I hope you're around for a long time. I'm really enjoying what you're doing. And I like your take on things. I think you're very, very reasonable and, as they say, practical. Well, I appreciate that, Joe. I appreciate it. And I also, you know, when, and I, I owe a debt to, to John Katsimatidis and to Chad Lopez and the guys here who kind of recognize the idea that, um, that there's space for my voice, and I appreciate the opportunity. But one of the reasons we call the show The Middle is I believe even in tough weeks like this, we can tease out some things on which we can agree. And it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not partisan or that we don't have strong opinions. We don't have strong things that we we feel. But I really I, I it's it's uh, it's it's very nice of, of George to call in. And I I do appreciate that. Um, next, let's go to Wilhelm in the Bronx. Wilhelm, how are you today? Yes, Anthony, I appreciate uh, uh, you and uh, Curtis because you are a real uh, uh, talk show hosts that have conversation. I, I love every one of them, but uh, there are too much monologues about the uh, uh, situation. And there are many, many things that are, like I said, water under the bridge. We have to go forward to swim forward, not to, to lay on, on what happened and so forth. For instance, uh, uh, FBI was good for me for the last 48 years since I came from Romania. That was uh, a county in the north that was talking for uh, USSR and then Ukraine. And I'm still with my I I appreciate it. Well, I mean, I appreciate the the kind words and the sentiment about, you know, letting— Letting water under the bridge, bygones be bygones and the like, and your experience with the FBI, I too, like I said, I had a good experience. I mean, a good experience is a strong word, but a reasonable experience. Danny on Long Island. Danny, uh, welcome to the middle. Thank you for hanging on. Uh, I'm going to try to top that last phone call as a very energetic <laughs> gentleman. Yes, sir. Listen, uh, the problem that I have, and I think most people of normal intelligence, fair-mindedness, see with this entire raid is that you have the crimes that were committed by Hillary. They never even went into a basement to look for the damn thing. You got Hunter Biden's laptop, which the governor Giuliani, Mayor John, who has seen it, says it contains child pornography among and, and emails about the big guy that they handed to the FBI and they put it in the warehouse and didn't even open it up. Okay? Then you've got the FBI with the entire fake Russia hoax. None of them were arrested. McCabe is on CNN. Comey, who takes delight in telling people how he brought how he said, you know, the whole thing, which anyone who reads it knows, it was all fake. The, the whole field dossier. The FBI knew it. No one was arrested. Nobody was t- frog marched out. So now all of a sudden, these errors, now you have the, the search warrant application didn't say top secret documents. It said top secret documents in any document related to the presidency, which means everything he had. And that opened it up to anything. Pre- President Obama's uh, library had six million presidential Documents. Okay. All right. Let me. You, you gave me a bunch. Of, all right. Here's what's going to happen. Danny, thank you so much for the call. Since we're coming up against a break, I am going to do my best to do a brief touch on Hillary, Hunter, and Obama. I've heard those three things come up. Um, I'll do my very, very best because I, I do appreciate the call. And I'm going to gonna try to get them. And if you want to get in on the calls, 800 848 WABC at 4 o'clock. 
At 3 o'clock, rather, when Curtis comes in, we're going to talk about the issues facing the city, maybe a little bit more about this. I really appreciate you being with me on The Middle today. These are some tough subjects, but I really, it wouldn't be possible without you, the callers. Thank you so much for being with us on The Middle. She was with the Russians, too. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner on Talk Radio 77 WABC, The Middle, every Saturday from 2 to 3. And then Curtis Lee comes in at 3 o'clock, and we are – he is obsessed with this story about people stooping in, uh, in restaurant sheds that are unused. If you want to be part of the conversation, we're talking about, I guess to say, the presumption of goodwill, the presumption that people are operating as best that they can in making judgment decisions – the way they think they should. It's funny, after I do that whole pitch, someone calls in and says, yeah, what about this one, what about this one, what about this one? But I don't want to appear to be avoiding those subjects. So the last caller, I'm going to try to tick them off quickly. He said, what about Hillary? Hillary had a long investigation. They found that to the extent that there was a handful of documents. Was, remember, with her thing was not taking anything home. It was that she was using a server for her private emails to do work that was official work. Now, All of those emails were also on the official servers. That's the difference. Anything that was found to be classified was only classified after the fact. So that's the Hillary situation. And by the way, you think she hasn't paid a price? Cost her the election. (laughs) Not that that was she did, but the way the FBI handled it cost her the election. Secondly, Hunter Biden, a lot of stuff the gentleman said. I would refer you back to the episode I did about the Hunter Biden laptop, but let's wait and see. There's an investigation going on before people say, oh, they didn't do this or didn't do that or didn't look at A, B, or C. Um, and, and I just want to refresh everyone's memory. The references to the big guy, only one person has said that. They took their evidence to Fox News and to the Wall Street Journal. Both of them said they were not convinced and didn't refuse to report it because they thought it was suspicious. And the third piece, um, what was the third part? Oh, the third part was... Something about, oh, oh, it was about Obama. Okay. Let me explain the Obama thing because I've seen that a lot of places. This is just a misunderstanding. Obama does not have the documents that were taken from his administration. They are under the control of the National Archives. That's the way it always is. The president leaves and then millions of documents. The National Archives takes, gets them organized, and then on a schedule they become, they become public. The only difference with the Obama case is Obama said in order to make these available more more rapidly, he would take on the expense of digitizing them, but he doesn't have them. They're under the control of the National Archives. Big, big difference. By the way, the fight with Trump is that these boxes that Trump of documents, he was not supposed to have, period. End of conversation. He wasn't supposed to have those documents. Those are not – there's a law, there's a process, and the laws were actually toughened under President Trump, ironically – you're not allowed to have those. The National Archives said we want them back. Trump's lawyer says I gave them all back. Apparently he, he had not. But I'm going to – again, I'm going to presume goodwill on everyone's part. But the idea that the FBI didn't make a mistake here, I'm open to that idea as well. Um, uh, next, let's go here. We have a chance for only a couple more calls, but a lot of them are on the board. So let's get, some, to, get to some of them. Frank in Connecticut. Frank, thanks for joining us on The Middle. Hey. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Has it, hasn't Anne Hage been brain dead for like 10 years? I don't think there's any reason to, to be mean to those who had passed. There's, there's not a good reason to, uh, to do that. Next um, uh, is Christian in Dover, New Jersey. Hey, Anthony, uh, I just want to say uh, I'm not on your side or aisle of the uh, political spectrum, and I, I, I don't agree with a lot of what you say, but I enjoy your show. Uh, so I, I think I'm saying you have a special gift. Um, but uh, the second thing I want to say is with the FBI raid, it's perception. You know, it's, I hear you and a lot of the people spouting facts or, you know, reversing something somebody said. 
but it's perception that's what's important. And unfortunately, half the country has the perception that their side is not being treated fairly. And so the FBI, the CIA, all these government bureaucracies, they have a responsibility to live up to their standards so that we don't have this perception that we're being treated unfairly, because that's what's going to happen. And I fear for what might happen to a Democratic president or, or the, you know, somebody who's Democrat might get reprisals. And this is the road we're going down because they've opened up a can of worms. I, I think there's a lot to that, Christian. I agree. But let me ask you, since I have you and you've made that point, and thank you for the kindness at the beginning of the call. What about people, in uh, black and brown people, who have the perception that they're being singled out by, by uh, police officers? Um, well, that, that's a different argument altogether. Why? Um, talking about a, a national perception, uh, you know, that's been going on for at least a decade now, um, that one political side is, is being persecuted. Um, so, you know, that, I, I think they're two different issues. No. It, well, let me, let me make the case for why they're the same, and I really do appreciate the call. The case I'll make is the same, is that people say, well, I don't care what the perception is because we're just following the law. But you say that on one hand, that's what the FBI says. You know, we don't care. That's what Garland said in his statement. We don't care what the perception is. We're following the law. And whether you're the president of the United States, Anthony Weiner, or Christian in New Jersey, it's all the same. And you're making the point, and it's a good one, and it's not one that I disagree with, that the perception of fairness is very important here because it's the foundation of our criminal justice system is everyone believes they're getting treated equally fairly. And I believe the similarity is – that if a whole group of Americans believe that they're not being treated fairly by by the criminal justice system, by law enforcement officers, they behave differently. They don't trust police officers. They don't testify at at at, at trials. They don't show up as as witnesses. It has the same thing. The same way when someone called in the last hour and said, "I don't trust the IRS." The perception is that that's not fair, so I'm not going to pay my taxes. I do believe that there's commonality here. That, that both sides should kind of acknowledge that we have something deep in our DNA as Americans that we're suspicious of authority. We're suspicious of government. We're suspicious of people that have the ability to put handcuffs on us and put us into, into jail and that we need those people to use extraordinary judgment even though they're not extraordinary people. They're just regular Americans like you and I are. And I think maybe that's what I'm trying to get at is – maybe Christian, Christian – I think that turned out to be the best call. That, you know, that's kind of my point, that it is important that we all believe that the system is on the level. And that means all of us. And it, you can't pick and choose. Say, well, I want it with the FBI and a president that I support, but I don't want it with a, a neighborhood guy who got caught – you know, who, who got caught shoplifting or a neighborhood guy who was speeding and maybe he wasn't or someone just walking down the street who got stopped by a police officer. We should be very concerned, all of us, when there's overreach by, by government, when there's overreach, whether it's someone that is committing, a, a, you know, who's been accused of a, of a murder that they didn't. You know, there are 2,400 people have been exaggerated over the last 10, uh, over the last 10 years who, who are in, in jail for, for a long period of time. We should be very suspicious. I got to tell you, I once again, every week I find myself thinking this at about this hour. I feel so fortunate, so grateful for all of you who have tuned in, for the people that have participated with the calls. The calls have been amazing today. For the guys on the other side of the glass who made it possible, stay tuned. After the break, we're going to come back with Curtis 